0: Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth about relationships.
1: We all have the capacity to not forgive. The, the only thing that we lack is the willingness to obey. It's not a matter of what you feel. It's a matter of what you will. The feeling is not an issue. Recognizing God has forgiven me for all my sin, Colossians 3:13 and 14, he says, "Even as Christ has forgiven you in the same proportion, the same
0: degree, Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Can you imagine a BLT sandwich without the bacon? What about a football team without a quarterback? Well, likewise, why do we say we have love, but we're not willing to forgive? We'll learn more as Pastor Xavier continues his proactive series, The Nature of the Church, with today's compelling message, The Distinguishing Mark of the Church, on today's simple truths
1: there are many things that could identify a christian as we look to the scriptures but there is one thing jesus pointed to be the distinguishing mark of the church as he said to his disciples in john 13:35 by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another agape love this is the distinguishing mark love at the expense of doctrine is not god's agape love That's the message of today in many Christian churches, so-called Christian churches. Let's not make doctrine a big difference. Let's just love one another. No, no, no. There must be doctrine. Love at the expense of biblical doctrine is love from hell, not from heaven. Love has boundaries. Love has absolutes. Love has conditions. And God sets them out for us. You understand? So be careful of those who want to make you feel self-righteous because You want to be exact about doctrine. Rodney King says, can't we all get along? No, we can't. We can get along if we are Christians, if we agree with God. But if we don't agree with God, he's our enemy. Do you know that? If I don't agree with God, then his wrath's upon me. When I agree with the revelation of God, the doctrine, and I believe it and repent, then his love now is poured upon me for blessing. Amos 3.3. Can two walk together except to be agreed. Rhetorical question: No. It must be agreed, and we agree with God. This agape love is very clearly aligned and embracing the revelation, the doctrine of God and the scriptures. It doesn't ignore them, doesn't compromise it. So when you hear the word of God being compromised at the expense of love, you know, they're deceived. It's real simple. Now, thirdly, is the power of God's love for the church. The power of God's love is sufficient for forgiving one another. You talk about power. Man. This is irrespective of the damage suffered before Christ or as a Christian when you are injured by another, recognizing God has forgiven me for all my sin. Colossians 3, 13 and 14, he says... Even as Christ has forgiven you in the same proportion, the same degree. This is not an option, by the way. It's a requirement of Christians. Forgiveness is not my choice. It's my duty. It's my obligation. When there's true repentance, you understand? When you come and say, listen, can you forgive me for this? I cannot say no. I have to take you at your word that you are sincere and genuine and I'm to bestow that forgiveness to you and say, brother, you're forgiven. Let's pray together. Give me a hug. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to be looking. I just let it go. If you're not sincere, it'll show up. But that's between you and God. You understand? The ability to forgive is based on the fact that I have been enabled to cope with all things pertaining to life and godliness by the divine nature in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3-4. through 4. All things pertain to life and godliness. All things to life, all that God allows, and all that comes to my life, and how I'm supposed to respond and can respond, godliness. God knows all that will ever come into my life. God knows what he will allow in my life, and God has enabled me to pass all the tests. Now, whether I pass them is my choice, but he has enabled me to pass them. You understand? You understand? Because whom he calls, he enables, right? So I make the choice. Am I going to yield to God's love or not? Will I obey or not? I can't blame God. I can't blame other people. I have to blame myself. I'm the one who chooses not to yield to God and to obey him. Now, when I do so and I forgive And I yield to God. This doesn't mean or imply that there will be no pain or suffering. You can count on it. Because as long as I'm in this body, I still love myself. (laughs) And it's hard to deny myself, it brings pain. It's a painful thing to die. When people are in the hospital dying, they don't have a big smile on their face, especially if they're dying of a very painful disease. It's painful to die. Spiritually, it's the same thing. This does not mean that it will come easy. It will cost us our life of self. I'm obligated to forgive, as I said earlier. If you repent genuinely, evident by your words and your action, I must forgive you. God does not require of me anything. He does not require of himself God forgives no person who does not repent from their heart. So with me. Now, having said that, in other words, if you do not truly repent and you never ask forgiveness of me, I release you in forgiveness because I don't want that sin to make me bitter against you. Unforgiveness hurts me more than you. You understand? So even though you have not asked me forgiveness, I forgive you. I release you. But I don't deceive myself saying that there has been complete reconciliation. There must be a confession, a genuine repentance. And then when I forgive you, now there's complete reconciliation and the evidence of life proves that out. But even though you don't, Ask me forgiveness. I release you because I don't want to harbor bitterness and hurt me. You understand? But when you come to me in genuine confession and you say, please forgive me. I say, you're forgiven. Now we have full fellowship. You understand? Because there's been genuine repentance and my forgiveness has been imparted to you. And you've received it. And so there's reconciliation. This is the responsibility of every Christian Christian in the church it's called matthew 18 verse 21 to 35 peter asked jesus how often must we forgive and peter suggested seven times (laughs) he thought he was doing good the lord says 70 times seven 449 times whoa are you kidding me (laughs) now that doesn't mean that after 450 times that's it i don't forgive you no more what he's saying is don't keep an account in other words, forgiveness is imparted when people ask forgiveness. Then Jesus proceeded to tell a parable the king who went to settle accounts with his servants, as you know, who owed him 10,000 talents, a million dollars, unable to pay the debt. And he pleaded with his master after hearing that he and his wife and the children would be sold. And so the master was moved with compassion and forgave the man's complete debt. That servant then went out and demanded his fellow servant who owed him a 100 denarii. He grabbed him by the throat, and he demanded payment. Having no compassion, even though he was pleading, he threw him in jail. Another fellow servant saw what took place, and he came to the master and said, and told him exactly what went on. And the master told that evil servant, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And the master delivered him into the torturers until payment was made. You don't want to be there. Jesus said, so my heavenly father will also do to you. If you, from your heart, do not forgive your brother's trespasses. Not sins, trespasses, Matthew 18, 35. And by the way, Matthew 18, it's the innocent party that approaches the guilty party because the guilty party doesn't think they're guilty. <laughs> if someone has a trespass against you, offense against you, you, go tell him his fault. You can see clear. So you beseech him to repent, to see the fault, so you can be reconciled. You understand? We all have the capacity that we're talking about here to not forgive. The, the only thing that we lack is the willingness to obey. I caution if you are committed. To God be loved, it will cost you dearly as it cost God to forgive us. It cost him his life. It's not a matter of what you feel, it's a matter of what you will. The feeling is not an issue. The power of God's love makes us humble when we see this power at work in forgiveness. After the example of Christ, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He's that servant, the believers, to put on the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ. Jesus says, there is no exception. It is a command for every Christian. What's the mind? That being in the form of God, he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but he emptied himself of his glory, not his deity, and became obedient to the death of the cross. And for that reason, a name has been given to him above every other name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow every time, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Wow. God becomes man to wash feet, and die for sinners. Can you handle that? <laughs> That's what I'm to do, the mind of Christ. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This implies they understand their bankruptcy to be deserving anything from God. They're bankrupt. They can't work for salvation. They come by the grace of God. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Proverbs three thirty 1 Peter 5, 5. We're to guard our hearts with all our diligence and with all diligence, for out of it springs what? The issues of life, Proverbs 4, 23. You gotta guard your heart, it's evil. Desperately wicked, Jeremiah seventeen nine. It's deceitful. Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 21. Notice he said where your treasure is, not where your heart is, your treasure will be. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What is your treasure? If it isn't Jesus, your heart will be somewhere else. It's just real simple. After the servanthood of Jesus, he's the model, that form of a servant. Pride is the heart of sin, but love is the heart of humility, always. Now, the power of God's love allows us to give of our material gain. It's part of God's agape love. The Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 8 Two and three, gave for the poor at Jerusalem, as you know, out of their deep poverty, according to their ability, freely and willingly. In fact, Paul said, no, no, you guys don't have to get. Don't do that, Paul. If the Jews gave us all our spiritual benefit, we want to share this little we have in material possessions. Wow. The Corinthians giving to the poor. Was the test of their sincerity and their love for others in 2 Corinthians 8:8? 8, 8, they're the ones that started the missionary do- donation, and yet they kept procrastinating for a year. Paul rebukes them, and he used the Macedonians as an example to rebuke them. 2 Corinthians 9:7: Each person is to give as he or she has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly, not of necessity, for God loves a hilarious giver. As you know, we don't talk about money here. Only when we're talking the scripture, we go through the scriptures. But everything that anybody does or gives, it's from our heart. That's what God honors. He's not impressed by how much we give, he gives from our heart. There are many needs. No one can meet them all, nor should anyone attempt to. So you've got to make sure that you seek God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to meet the needs? Otherwise, if you look at the needs, they're so overwhelming. You can't meet them all. There are times when God wants me to meet the need and not ask anybody. There are other times when God will have us collectively meet a need. But I have to make sure that when God shows me a need, I don't pass it up to somebody else. Sometimes people call the church, you know, I have this neighbor that has a need. Well, how'd you hear about it? Well, I went over there and, and, and I saw the need. Well, why don't you meet it? Oh, it might cost you? Don't give your blessings away. God shows you a need? Mean it. <laughs> Don't pass it down. It's important. It's basic. The power of God's love is unfailing. I have failed, but when I yield to God's agape love, I've told you often I never fail. First Corinthians 13, through 8, it never fails. God's love cannot be substituted. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, if I have not agape love, I have communicated nothing, verse 1 says. If I have not agape love, I have, I have nothing, verse 2 says. If I have not agape love, I have given nothing, verse 3 says. God's love is unfailing in power. From verse 4 on down to 8. In the text, love described there, not defined, but is described. I can only fulfill the potential of agape love by yielding to agape love. I can't do it myself. It brings it to me to the end of myself. And so Paul says that love of Christ constrains us. To serve others. In 2 Corinthians 5.14. He's not impressed by what I do. Or how much I do. But he's impressed by why and how I do it. That's what he's impressed about. You see the power of God's love moves us. To chasten and confront. And to confront and chasten when need be. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son who he receives, Hebrews 12, 6. Now, if he does it, we're to do that within our families, within the church, because that's his order. Parents, be consistent in your discipline with your children, or you confuse them. Parents, don't threaten your children. Just make promises that you'll keep. Important. Parents, don't be liars with your children. Be loyal to them. Be a parent. And one day you'll be a great friend with them. Very important. Moms, back off. Let dad take care of the job. Moms are saviors of children's and dogs, defenders of children's and dogs. Our emotions get in the way, they're legitimate. And you know, you were a kid, your dad's gonna spank you, you start screaming like anything. Hoping that after the second one, he gets so moved by it, but he's been there before. <laughs> He pulled the same thing with his dad. At the same time, dads, listen to your wives. They're there to temper you, to balance. In 2 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul told the Corinthians that out of much affliction and anguish of heart, he wrote to them with many tears, not that they should be grieved, but that they might know the love which he so abundantly had for them. Love confronts. Love brings consequences at times. That's true love because the goal is restoration, not mere castigation. 2 Timothy 4.2, Titus 2.15. The believers are to rebuke, reprove, exhort one another. Very clear. The power of God's love motivates the life of the church in its witness service and gifts the more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 12.31 you see, the church of Ephesus was reproved by Christ, if you remember. Despite her works, patience, purity, doctrine, perseverance, but he had one thing against her. What was it? She had left her first love. First Corinthians 4, one Revelation 2, 2 through 4. That love wasn't there. What motivated Peter to preach at Pentecost? He just crucified his Lord. It was a God by love. That's what motivated him. They were given the proclamation of the gospel because the love of God was shed abroad in his heart by the Spirit of God. Christians can only say, I will not. A Christian can never say, I cannot. If God calls you, he enables you. All you can say is, I will not. But you can never say, I cannot. He equips you. First Corinthians 3:13. John says, and now by his faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is agape love. Into the life of Charles Lamb, there came a deep attachment to a woman, but he willingly forsook marriage when he saw the need of his own family. Brother, son, husband, he became the guardian angel of the home, and especially of his sister Mary, who was at times mentally deranged. After she had stabbed her mother to death in one of her mad moments, Charles Lamb stripped himself for his sister Mary as Jonathan stripped himself for David. And for 8 and 30 years, he tells how he would sometimes see the brother and sister walking hand in hand across the field to the old, of the old asylum, both of their faces bathed in tears. A sad story. And yet a true story. Charles Lance had his place in his home and it was never left empty. Agape love sacrifices. It gives. It looks beyond self. You see the power and sufficiency of God's love to forgive those who have injured you. It's one of the most amazing witnesses that we can give to the world. Your life and mine. Matthew 6, 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's part of the pattern that we're to learn on what our prayers are to contain. Usually called the Lord's Prayer. The power of God's love is to make us humble like the Lord. Just like our Lord. Meek and humble. Jesus told Judas in Luke twenty two forty eight, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss, he was offering him repentance. He washed Judas Iscariot's feet, offering him repentance before he sinned, after he sinned. Wow. The power of God's love allows us to give of our material gain, as I said. In first Chronicles 21:24, David said to Ornan remember that he, he was going to offer by the threshing floor. He says, I will not give anything to the Lord that doesn't cost me. Because he wanted to say, no, no, just take it, Dave. No, no, no. I will not offer anything to God that doesn't cost me. We have to be careful that we just give to God things that don't cost us. Now, we may not know that about each other, but God does know my heart, right? So I have to be careful. Jesus observing the giving and the treasury, as you know, in Luke 21, 4, as they were all giving... Of their money. He says, for all these, of their abundance, they put forth offers to God. But she, the widow, out of her poverty, what it took to live, has given. She gave more than all of them put together. Because God is not impressed by how much I give, but why I give. And if you want to look at it, how much I keep. It's interesting how God looks. The power of God's love is unfailing. Paul says he can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens in Philippians 4, 13. All things he calls you to do, he enables you. What shall separate from the love of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, sword? Paul goes on to say that nothing of these things can separate from the love of God in Romans eight thirty five and 29. Abiding in him, trusting in him, drawing from him. And so the power of God's love moves us to confront and to chasten, because faithful are the wounds of a friend; deceitful the kisses of the enemy. Proverbs twenty-seven five through six. If you don't confront, you don't really love. If you don't bring consequences, you don't really love that person. You love yourself more. The power of God's love motivates the life of the church as a witness, service, and the gifts through that more excellent way, agape love. Are you yielding to agape love in your marriage, in your relationships? Are you serving the Lord in the church out of agape love or is it compulsion or duty? Are you known by God's agape love? That's a better question. Then if you are, then that is the distinguishing mark that you are a Christian. And so this is the power of God's love for the church. Quite amazing, this distinguishing mark, agape love. The perspective of God's love for the church it's the first lens that we saw. The principle of God's love for the church was the second lens that we saw it through. And the power of God's love for the church was the third. It gives us a good perspective all around what this distinctive mark is for the church of Jesus Christ and the believers. By this, mention that you're my disciples because you have love one for another.
0: Mr. Xavier Reese, with a powerful reminder of our calling to live in love and forgiveness. And you can request a copy of today's study called The Distinguishing Mark of the Church. It's available on CD for just $4. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Distinguishing Mark of the Church, or simply mention today's date with your request. Request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107 Or to make your request by phone call 800-926-1485 Again that's 800-926-1485 or the address once again is Simple Truths 2200 East Colorado Boulevard Pasadena California 91107 And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us We sing he is lord but do we mean it Find out what it means to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Hope you'll join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com